This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. It is the Royal Blue Podcast and we are live across YouTube and Facebook. And today we've got a bit of a podcast special. Today, Connor, we're going to debate, probably argue and discuss the best of Everton's 2023. My name is Ian Kroll and I'm joined by Connor O'Neill. Connor, how are things? All good. A little bit under the weather, I think, like everyone is at the minute. It's a bit cold, isn't it? Yeah. Certainly a fright from warm when you're up and it's very, very cold and coming in from the Echo office in the early early hours. But no, very, very good. So obviously getting looking forward to having a return this weekend. Yeah, it feels like there's been a bit of a, a couple of days. Obviously, there has been a couple of days without a game, but a bit, bit of a break. Obviously, no, no weekend game because we played on the Thursday. But yeah, I completely agree. Obviously, going to be a tough game against Villa. It will be cold as well, probably. It will be cold, but everyone's got a bit of a cold in the office, but I feel like I've got over my colds. I had my colds before Christmas and New Year, and I'm trying to stay away from everyone, the germs and stuff like that, but we've obviously digressed a little bit. So, um, yeah, Connor, so we're going to kind of, we're a little bit late to this because we've been so busy, but kind of just discuss Everton's 2023, bit of a, you know, up and down year, really. You know, we're going to discuss, you know, best player, player, Worst player or underperforming player, best match, you know those type of things. Best goal. Um, so yeah, I think it's a uh, like I say, we are a little bit late to it, but I think it's 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 definitely worth doing. And uh, if you're listening on Facebook, if, if you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube live, then send in your questions or submit your opinion. Let us know if you agree uh, with with everything that we say. It's, you definitely uh, won't. They're, they're, they're probably not, but like I say, does it does it. You know, a couple of careful questions in that, like, say, best player, best match, worst match, surprise player of the season. And then we'll kind of finish after that with just a discuss the, the landmark moments of the year, which obviously, you know, is a Frank Lampard sacking, a Sean Dyche appointment, surviving relegation, probably 777 machinery, the points deduction as well. So there's plenty to get through. Um, so, like I say, submit your questions, submit your opinions in the comments section. And just let us know what you think. So, Connor, let, let's go straight into it then. Everton's best player of 2023. You obviously you give your opinion, I'll give my opinion, and then we'll kind of the debate it and discuss it and uh, see if anyone agrees or disagrees. I don't think anyone could really debate this because it's up to Corey by an absolute country mile. Okay. Um, just because when you think of when he started 2023, he was frozen out yeah. by Frank Lampard. We couldn't get a look in, look like he was going to leave the club, looked like he was on his way. Um, had no future. And then obviously, you know, Sean Dyche comes in, start of February, throws him straight in against Arsenal. And if I'm being brutally honest, didn't look back. And I think, you know, you look at last season, his sending off against Tottenham nearly relegated us because, because our good form up until that point, all of a sudden fell off a cliff when he missed them three matches and we, you know, desperately missed them. He was back for the running, obviously scored the goal against Bournemouth on the last day of the season. And then this year, again, he's been absolutely superb, hasn't he? Picked up from where he left off as a goals to his game, important goals. And I think the biggest point of all is you look at the games and some of them games perhaps over Christmas were in, in, in January but when you look at you know since he's been out the side since he picked up that lot against full air Burnley certainly the Fulham game at Goodison in the Carabao Cup Everton look a completely different team without him and a worse team and I think that's the biggest compliment you can pay him is that he is an absolute crucial cog to what Sean is trying to do with the football club I completely agree to be honest I think for the purpose of debate I don't think we're going to agree for all this just, just for people now I don't think we're going to agree no, I, I think we agree on this one. You know, for the, the purpose of debate and you know podcast discussion, I knew you were going to go for the core end, and obviously knew you were going to go first on this one. Um, I kind of wanted to go different, but I'm not going to go different because I just think it would do be an injustice to the core. I think he was without a doubt being the best standout player um, for Everton this season. You've 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 literally touched on everything. I think all I'll say is I, I just can't actually believe the turnaround. Yeah, from. Obviously, we're, we're talking very early stages of 2023, <clears throat> where he's literally frozen out, and then he becomes practically the saviour of Everton Football Club, and then has gone on to be another level. And then to the point where he's missing from certain amounts of games towards the end of 2023, and it's shown that we've missed him, which has been, you know, fantastic but largely frustrating towards those games that that he has that we have missed them in. So it's a uh, 
absolutely absolutely to Corre. You know, you could probably give him it just for the goal against Bournemouth. To yeah. be honest, but there's been so much more, though, hasn't he? Was to his game over the, the course of the calendar. No, yeah. yeah, I think the goals is the, the main thing because I I think we've discussed I've discussed this with Chris Beasley on a previous pod. I think we did the Abdullah the Corre special a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that sums up himself when you get a special podcast for yourself. Well, yeah, you're still playing. That says it all, doesn't it? No, exactly. But I think my expectations were quite high for the Corre when he first originally came in under Angelotti. And I don't think he delivered in the first couple of seasons. He's delivered now, and I think that's fair enough. And it's shown, you know, without a doubt, Everton's best player of twenty twenty three. Um, so yeah, we're we're in agreement on that one. One each, absolutely one each. So I don't want to I don't want to say Everton's worst player on this one because I think it would be too harsh. But I am going to say. Everton's most disappointing player or underperforming player of the, of 2023. Who are you going to go for? See, I'm torn on this because I don't really, I don't like digging people out because I think it's a little bit harsh, isn't it? It's not digging people out, Connor, but allowed to have opinions. Uh, <laughs> but I think you can't look past Michael Keane. Okay. Um, I think he's done really well in recent weeks. I think you've got to give him enormous credit for starters, and now he's bounced back and. Yeah. Some of the performances he's put in have been really good, but you think back to towards when Sean Dyche come in, the 4 0 at Arsenal, the defeat of Villero at home, uh, the 4 0 defeat of, uh, away at home to Arsenal, the 4 0 defeat away at Villa when he when he was handed the start. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of bad individual performances, and I think, you know, in the end, Aston Villa, uh, Leicester City away, of course, when they drew 2 2, um, was another night where he didn't do himself any favours, and it was no surprise, was it, really, that Everton kind of got up themselves over the line when Jerry Mina replaced him in the starting lineup. So I don't think he's been the worst player. I think that's probably the wrong tag to, to give him, but I just think he struggled for large parts of crucial times. And I think he deserves credit for what he's done in recent weeks, how he's bounced back, but I just don't think he's done enough throughout the course of the year to sell people's nerves and think, you know, he could be a steady, a steady eddy at the back. And he was a player that Dice obviously fancied at the beginning of the season because he, he was partner partner in Tarkovsky, yeah, wasn't yeah. he? And then quickly thought so thankfully Dice changed his mind basically because he, he knew it wasn't working and, and Branthwaite's come in and has kind of been, you know, well we a breath of fresh air he's is gonna be a standout well, season. He's become very quickly what people are telling us to be a hundred million pound player, hasn't he? You know Link with Real Madrid apparently this morning. With Real Madrid, yeah. So I mean I think it was that kind of the Villa game wasn't we got before Ellen Keane. I think really struggled that day against Villa yeah. back at the start of August. Obviously, I think the next game, a uh, Premier League game at home to Wolves, Bramford was back in and hasn't looked back since. So, although we know Keane did do well against Burnley and, and Fulham most recently, um, I just think though there's, there's a lot of bad performances in there at a time where I really needed people to stand up and make themselves counted. Are we are we doing Keane at the service here? Is he being played out of position? Is he not being played in his natural position as a centre forward? <laughs> well, recent evidence suggests that that is the case, wasn't it? The goal against Tottenham, the goal against the penalty against Fulham, um, the goal against Burnley. He's, he looks a natural finish, doesn't he? But I just think there's, there's been moments where obviously he's done very well, but there's always been moments where he struggles. Yeah. And I think when he looked towards the back end of last season, when he was really struggling, it could have had a real detrimental effect on Everton if he'd have been, you know, kept in the team moving forward. Okay, so Michael Keane for Connor then. Mine, and it's, you know. You can deem this a controversial, whatever way you want it. It's not Michael Keane. It's Amadou Anana. I suppose if you're going to look at it, is yours the most disappointing player of the season? Is that how? Yeah, like d- disappoints the times, I think, but some of the contribution that they made yeah. didn't really, should have done better, basically. I think man's, my, my pick for that, obviously, Anana, is still comes under that. I just think underperformer. And I think it's all relevant, isn't it? I think it comes with expectations of what you expect in you know doesn't just come in in football it's it's in life or whether you're going to watch like a film or something like that but you know Amadou Anana has he's got the potential for all to see and he's obviously still very young I'm not I'm not disputing that but for me he just hasn't lived up to his expectation of what you wanted from him from when he's when he's come in and you know to top it off he you know, he, he did that penalty against Fulham, which, you know, my thoughts on that, I was mm. really disappointed in him. But that's, thought, put, that's put it quite mildly here. Well, yeah, it is, and I, I think as well. You were raging. <laughs> I, I was very, I, I was human, and I'm, I'm not just picking on him because of that. I do think there should have been a lot more from and I, yeah. over the over the past 12 You're months. You're still able to be that person on your grabs game by Scruff at the neck. Yeah. It takes control and, you know, 
yeah. believes a stamp on things, and I don't think we've really seen that enough. And that's why you know on Monday's show when we talk about oh no, I'm going to go to Arsenal. Yeah, obviously the, the links there. Yeah, that's why I think it's such a divisive kind of spe- speculation because for Arsenal they're saying you know don't buy him a field, buy him mm-hmm. a centre forward. We need to score goals. Yeah, and Everton fans are a bit torn. I think because I think some of them were like, well. He's got real potential, but then others are like, well, yeah, but potential means nothing. You know, we can get 60, 70 million for him. It might be the time to cash him because you might never fulfill that potential. So yeah. I, I know what you're saying coming from where I think it's, I think sometimes you often flatter the deceived, doesn't he, a little bit? And I think it can be a little bit stop start with him. Yeah. And this is just disappointing in general because, you know, I, I, I've never said this, but you've, you've obviously seen comparisons from other pundits. You know, comparing him to like Vieira and stuff like that, and I just think he's he's way off that. He's 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 completely way off that. I mean, that's not his fault, though. It's not his fault. You know, you... No, not his fault that Roberto Martinez said he was like the next Patrick Vieira, which is what Roberto Martinez did say. That, that, that's 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 not his fault. That's absolutely fine. But he is technically in that Vieira style mode as as a, as a player. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, you would expect him to be not just a, a defensive midfielder or attacking midfielder. You you'd want that that type of player to be a box to box. And I'm 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 kind of giving him and giving him compliments here. I think he's got that in his locker. I just don't know. Maybe it's because he is too young hmm. that he's not he's not that leader that he may become. And he's not like you know it's a, it's a cliche, isn't it? But taking the games by the scruff of the neck, like sometimes he's he's too passive. I don't think there's anything wrong in. In how he passes the ball or what he does, you know, he's, he's got a lot of really good attributes. But sometimes he'll 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 be asking for the ball, he'll receive it, and then he'll literally just pass it back to the same guy that he's that he's passed it to. And I think that's you know, there's nothing wrong in doing that if you're under pressure. But sometimes these are just little things that I pick out in in matches where you think that's so frustrating. You can mm. you can do so much better. Yeah, yeah. and I, it's just disappointing because you know. I, I do feel like he is obviously going to leave Everton at some point in the next 18 months to, to two years, hopefully for a big fee. You know, this is the model that the club have having to deal with at this moment in time. I don't think it's any secret. That is the fact. Um, so he's he's obviously going to leave. And I do think he'll probably go on to be a, a better player. He'll have better, you know, inevitably better players around him. Um, and we'll probably see him, you know, whether it's with Arsenal or someone else, he's, he's obviously going to be on, go on to be successful. Maybe I'm being a bit too harsh because he is young and you don't just become a leader when you're young. You're obviously developing that with experience and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to stick with Anana on that one. So Not a fair shout. Michael Keane, Connor, Anana for me. Next one then. This this is a positive one, so it'll be interesting to see what what your one is. There's plenty. There's been a lot of ups and downs yeah, yeah. in 2023. Some uh, shocking, shocking results, really good wins, but best match. Best match. Whether you've attended, whether you haven't attended, whether you've covered it, whether it's been away, just just you know. I think there's probably two that I can't split. One is obviously born from the last day of last season. Okay. Um, purely simply because if we didn't win that match game of football, we'd be playing the Skybet Championship now. Yeah. And you dread to think about position the club could possibly find themselves in yeah. if they'd have been relegated and just the euphoria I think of the full time was going and knowing that Everton was safe and knowing that we could all head into the summer not jovial but <laughs> fresh in the mind that we, they weren't going to be with away and you know other clubs in the championship no respect to them but it's very far very far away um, you know we wasn't going to be in the championship I think the relief I mean it was quite time wasn't it Bournemouth because obviously last the Palace game there was a lot of euphoria yeah, obviously people you know we celebrated and parties hard. I think it's safe to say. This More time, anger this time. This time it? around, it was just about anything of like, well, thank God that's over. But it can never, never happen again. Like we said this last year, but you know, it can never happen again. This uh, and people have got to pay the price for for what obviously unfolded. Yeah. Um, so I think Bournemouth is obviously one, and I'm gonna go with Brighton away. Okay. When you won five one, because that nobody I don't care who you are whether you're the most optimistic person who thinks it's going to win the lottery every time you put it on no one saw that result coming um, perhaps you might have sneaked it 1-0 so you might have said we know we might sneak this 1-0 yeah. no one saw us going to Brighton and win a 5-1 and being no. so emphatically dominant like we was um, although Jordan Pickford still didn't have to make three great saves in 20 minutes in a 20 minute spell that in the second half so it wasn't, wasn't ready I mean um, it's quite Surreal, isn't it? Because I was actually in the echo office for that game where obviously Joan, Joe Thomas, and Chris Beasley were down there. And even at like 3 1, obviously, you know, 
you know, fortunately work with some Liverpool supporters, I think it's safe to say in this office. Not all on sports before people start jumping in, but you know, we work on news and stuff like that, and they're like, Oh, you know, you're home and dry, and it's like, No, 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 we're not home and dry just yet, you know. I think it was only really when Dwight McNeil scored the fifth that I truly kinda relaxed and thought, geez, what a win this is, you know. So yeah, I, I think obviously the euphoria and just the relief of Bournemouth. But yeah, I think performance of the season and best match was certainly Brighton away because that was something that none of us seen coming and, and ultimately kept us up because I know if talks about the Bob of game, but that result put us in the position we were against Bournemouth. We just had to win to stay up. Mm-hmm. So they made my two. Well, we hadn't, with the Brighton one, we hadn't won in like a month. Yeah, well. we really struggled, hadn't we, to yeah. be fair. And it, and it looked like if we were going to survive, we were going to be surviving by other people not being able to pick points up more than us picking points up. Yeah, so it was kind of, obviously the results in itself, the five goals was a surprise, like you said. You could have could have picked up a win, maybe. But Brighton were obviously in good form as well. You know, their manager, De Zerbi, is it was um, obviously being lauded as this fantastic coach because he'd taken Brighton on to kind of, kind of like the next level. Do you think with that they maybe underestimated Everton, the Brighton players, or was it is that not given enough credit to the dice and I just think Everton turned up to do with a game plan, got off to the perfect start scoring size so at 30 seconds or something like that, and just didn't look back. I think. Absolutely, Brighton did. I know at the time as well, there's a few people at Brighton weren't they saying that they were struggling with fatigue, they, they, they were they were tired, they were, you know, they'd been a long season to take the toll type thing, and I think they knew that they already had European football by that point. So I think it was a I think it was already kind of in that they were already a little bit maybe flip flops on a little bit, just counting down the days into the season. But, you know, take not away from Everton because Everton went to Wolves a couple of weeks later and made extremely hard work against the team who Many have thought they had their flips on, their yeah. flip-flops on and move. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know... And 97 minutes, yeah, 99 minute equaliser. Equaliser, yeah, and went great if we're being honest. So, I think it takes to just take away from Everton, but it was just a, an unbelievable performance that no one saw coming. Before we get on to my best match then, Toffee Sai on YouTube has said, best player, I'm going... Tarkovsky, can you see where he would say that? Yeah, consistency, isn't it? I think he obviously played every game. I obviously... We're just looking at the calendar year, but 20, 22, 23, he played every game, um, Premier League game, which is some feat and, and no easy going. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's a, I think he's been what you call a moral pro, actually, since he come in. He, he gets the job done, gives us all, leaves off on the pitch, got leadership qualities. And, you know, if you can play every week in the Premier League, then, you you, you know, you're certainly on for, for something. Okay, so you've said best match, you've gone for two, which will allow Brighton. I put Brighton to be fair ahead of Bournemouth. Brighton ahead of Bournemouth. That's fine. Well, there's more there's more stuff and more questions that we're going to go, but there's also obviously favourite moments as well. But my best match of 2023, and before I say it, I'll kind of explain why, is because it was just more that <clears throat> wasn't because we'd won. It was, well, obviously it was because we'd won, but it was more the joy around the match and how we won the match. So, mm-hmm. I'm going to go for the most one of the most recent wins, Newcastle three 0 at Goodison Park on the seventh of December. We'd obviously had the points deduction. Um, we played United, but obviously got beat. Then we played Forest. Um, maybe people could say that was a little bit unexpected as well that win. But then we go into the Newcastle game. They're not, although on a great run of form, they've still got a lot of good players. I know they've had players out injured, but I just felt. I was sat in the lower gardens for that game and I just felt happy. I felt it felt good. Even when we weren't winning, it was still nil-nil, competitive game. I know Newcastle still had a couple of chances that maybe could have took the lead, but I just felt like this was going to be our night. And it's the, it's the first time in a long time where I think Everton have got a performance and a result at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't necessarily mean anything to do with relegation. It was just a win that was that was great, and the atmosphere towards the end, and obviously Beto score, and you know the goals that cemented cemented the win. You know three 0 against Newcastle. I don't think we even with all Newcastle's issues that they had, I don't think we expected that. Did yeah, we? no, and there's no love losses between the two sets of fan base. Which is, again, is, it's just weird. I don't understand so, why, but we've obviously we've I think we've discussed this in the past, and it just yeah. it mainly comes down to Jordan Pickford and social media. I think basically, it's, but yeah, I mean I can understand why Newcastle because Newcastle were the most in the way it was like. Right, this is where Everton they're fighting. Like you know, I think what made that great as well is they backed up in the, the Sunday against Chelsea. Yes, be well, Chelsea two yeah, nil. Yeah, uh, yeah, and also as well, I think it's it's worth putting out for them. You know that, that around that time it was when Everton made the stand and put the fan support food banks logo on the, the screen. Yeah, because um, obviously 
both Newcastle fans and Chelsea fans decided that they were going to sing poverty songs, which is uh, very nice of them. Um, and Everton took a stand that night. And I remember writing a few days after that game saying, after the Chelsea game, you know, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be proud about on Saturday, uh, Sunday, you know, on the pitch. But the proudest moment Everton fans have is what come off the pitch because football, you know, pales into insignificance and a lot of things in life. And, you know, people, you know, not just young children, you know, grown, grown adults, you know, Going hungry or having to visit food banks should not be celebrated and should not be used as a, a stick to be people, other people with. Yeah. So it was just felt like that time, wasn't it? Where it was like, to me, that that felt like a club that was really united at the time. Uh, I don't think we were able to say that about Everton for a long time, where everyone was just kind of like, like, this is us now and we're going to all go full throttle. Obviously, results haven't been great since since then, then that week, but you certainly felt the spirit was there and that spirit can go a long, long way because I think Goodison is a when Goodison United, it's a powerful, powerful force that can get over, over the line. We've seen that in recent years, haven't we? Because you think of Palace and, you know, Bournemouth to an extent, you know, the fans play a massive role in keeping Everton up. So, yeah, I think that was a, a big week. And I think Newcastle was like the crowning moment because it was like, you know, wow, that was like, where did that come from? But at the same time, we were also very, very good. Yeah. And, you know, I think people took great pleasure in getting over us to say it, Mr. Anthony Gordon. No, well, exactly. That was always the <laughs> cherry on top of the cake. And I think, you know, I didn't mention it there. You have mentioned it, the, the, the unified fan base after, you know, what happened with the points deduction. We obviously had the disappointments of the United game, but then bounced back almost immediately with the Forest win and then kept it going with a, a fantastic 3-0 win at Newcastle, against Newcastle, sorry, at Cuddleston. And, and just being there, knowing that every single fan in the grounds was united and we ended up winning emphatically at the end of the day you know fantastic um fantastic three goals Beto ends up scoring as well you know get, gets his first Premier League goal it was a it was just really kind of joyous joyous time really yeah. and I know <clears throat> I know things have kind of slowed down a little bit but we did have you know two wins after that but you know that's that's one of the happiest I've felt being an Evertonian in, in a long time the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. After talking about the best match, I don't really want to talk about the worst match, but I'm going to jump in before you, and this is stark contrast, really. So my worst match was the Goodison Park Newcastle four-one defeat on the 27th of April. Yeah, that's bad as well. Is that yours? So we we could go through a lot. We could go through Southampton. We could go through Brighton, Brighton, um, Fulham, Wolves this season, Fulham this season. There's a lot. Luton, I suppose, Luton. as well. I didn't think they played that bad against Luton, no, no, to be honest. The second half, they were out of ideas. I missed the Luton game, so... And, and went great, but yeah. certainly finished 20 minutes, they would mean. The only the thing, what, I mean, I don't, we don't want to obviously talk about the negative stupid, but the Newcastle one, certainly, that game, the 4-1 defeat, that was a night when I generally left Goodison thinking, it's the championship now. Like, that is the final nail in Everton's yeah. uh, coffin here for, for Premier League football. I think that was the night, wasn't it, when they brought the fans... Uh, Welcome the coach back. He got the coaching, and it felt like everyone was going above and beyond, and that little bit of kind of yeah. camaraderie, and you know, trying to get that spirit back going. What had saved the club so well the season before, but yeah, I think it was just absolutely kind of a hammer blow, wasn't it? And he was so. Don't get me wrong, I still think things could have been different that night. At Dominic Calvert Lewin's goal just on the struggle of half time, hmm. being given by VAR, I still think it was incredibly tight, but the way they collapsed in the second half and offered a little fight and, and little hope for them for those leaving it looked like the championship beckoned so yeah that that's my worst game as well but I think the less said about that the better because it's a nightmare that I always ever want to revisit we'll quickly move on then from the worst match because we have got a lot of positive things to speak about even though there hasn't been many in 2023 but we have kind of got um, favourite moments and worst moments which you know obviously that could be your match as well but I've kind of broken it down and I've got I've got two separate things anyway to, to go with that so Moving on from worst match, then we both pick Newcastle four one away, four one at home uh, on the twenty seventh of April. So this is an interesting one, definitely a positive one. Surprise player of the season. I've kind of picked two, but I know which one I'll probably uh, go with for the first one. So if you want to go first, Decore. Decore is a surprise as well because you thought they was about to back the way he did after being snubbed from frozen. Okay, well, we did say that earlier, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, Decore for me, just the way he bounced back and what he done. I don't think any of us thought he had that in him, and he's gone from strength to strength. I mean, you can... I mean, I could repeat everything I said to the first question, so I'll, I'll, say, I'll spare the listeners a, a rerun, but yeah, Decore for me. Okay, fair enough. So Decore features twice in Connor's uh, 2023 moments of the season. So I've got two, I'm going to say, uh, 
the first is James Tarkovsky, and second is Vitaly Mikhalenko. Mm. So Tarkovsky, um, the reason I've, I've picked him, and it's interesting because obviously we've got a um, a listener and a watcher there who said Tarkovsky as his best player. I think for me, I don't think he's been the best, but I think he's definitely been probably the most improved. Mm. And for me, it's surprising in a sense that there was a couple of times probably at the back end of last season and certainly since Tarkovsky's come to the club that I just felt he was every very much a Burnley player and he wasn't good enough for Everton mm. Football Club. I don't think... I think he's... As a defender, I think he's probably solid, but he was also extremely prone to mistakes that led to goals. And there was a couple of times that I felt that that happened. Um, and there was a couple of times where I did get... I can't, I can't exactly pinpoint exactly which ones, but I, I did get very frustrated with him um, where he made mistakes that definitely led to a goal or two. But... Certainly since the start of the season, it's been a massive turnaround and it surprised me. But I'm going to put it down to his partnership with, I'm not discrediting Tarkovsky in any way, but um, his partnership with Brantwaite has just flourished. And I think it's been an, you know, a perfect you know, perfect partnership for, for both of them, to be honest. And I think it's proved that with you know the amount of clean sheets, sheets that we've kept, his performances, Brantwaite's performances as well, um, so, number one surprise player of the season, Tarkovsky. Second, uh, just as I mentioned, Vitaly Mikhalenko. I feel like he's always had the talent there, but I feel under Lampard, he, he struggled a little bit, but he's come back into the four so after a couple of injuries as well. Um, and he's shown that he is, you know, a quality fullback, certainly in the defensive mode. We obviously know he's had issues off the pitch, you know, his country's at war. You know, family family issues with regards to that, so it can't have been easy. But I'm genuinely just kind of made up for him that he's fought his way back into the team, and not just fought his way back into the team, but you know, the team have benefited him yeah, yeah. being in there, basically. No, no, I think yeah, I think they're very valid conclusions. I still just think Decore for what he's done. I'm not going to argue with you. We all love Decore. Um, okay, so I'll go with this one first. Though favorite moments. You've obviously picked this as your favourite match. My favourite moments of, of the season is the final whistle at home to Bournemouth. Yeah, I agree. Just the relief. Yeah. Just like the relief. I mean, is it double fault this one? Because you, A, as a fan, you know, I'm ever a fan, don't want to see your team get relegated. No. You also don't want to be the reporter who works in local paper when the team gets relegated. So, so the double whammy of not being in that, like, you know, unique position of like, yeah, I covered Everton when they were relegated from the Premier League, you know, and dropped out the top flight for the first time. And I'm, you know, yeah, just the, the, years. Just the <laughs> sheer relief, just the sheer relief that they were staying up and they were safe. And, yeah. you know, it was done, you know what I mean? And like the sleepless nights, it, it, it ended. I mean, it's, it's it's mad, isn't it? I mean, that was only like, you know, seven months ago, was it? You know, that. that. God, it feels like years. I mean, I, mean, I remember, it's quite ironic, but I remember I was in here on the Saturday actually working. And leaving, I'm, I'm being very nervous. Let's just say um, about what was to come with Goodison, because I was under no, un, un, you know, under any sense. It was going to be a given that they were going to sit up and steamroll Bournemouth. Yeah, well, Bournemouth played well. Um, they, I thought as well. So I remember having to go and have a few pints after work. I should say to settle the nerves. And yeah, I think it was just relief, wasn't it, more than anything. I just think it can't be tops. Like you know, yeah, we've obviously got some good wins, and that but that win was just like. Huge, but huge times a thousand for what it meant and what it was actually going to do for us. And the 10 minutes of injury time added on was obviously not good as well. I still think time stood still when that lad had the volley from the edge of the bottom. I mean, I, I, oh, I, sh- I should know his name, that really poor on my part, but which Pickford saves. Yeah, I, I still think right. time stood still at that moment, to be honest with you. And I think, I think that was a 30 seconds that felt about like three hours in which Goodison, I think, held his breath as one because everyone was a bit like. Because you always know, don't you? Whenever you score like that, the other team's going to get a chance or be given a chance, you know, have a chance. Yeah, and he did. And when he had that, obviously, when he unleashes it, you think he struck that well. And everyone, I remember being in the press box and everyone's head kind of moving as if to say, oh, is this the moment, you know? Yeah. Um, but obviously, pick for come up trumps like he done for, like he does so often. But yeah, that was just a, a surreal afternoon, I think, to go through it again for the second season running. But just a relief when I found out, so I went to be able to like walk, walk home. Yeah. I don't live too far. I'm going to be able to walk home safe and large. I think we're going to be a Premier League club and everything was done and we were going to, you know, crack on us. Hopefully there's been a bit of a reset. And just just on that chance, because that chance wasn't like a 
if Bournemouth score, then Everton get a draw and we get a point. You, you don't get this often in football, but you know, effectively, if that we're winning one 0 but effectively, if that ball goes in the back of the we're net, it's a loss, isn't it? We're going down because yeah. the draw wasn't good enough. Because yeah. I think actually by that point, Leicester have finished. I think that Leicester have beaten West Ham. They, they were waiting. Power, waiting the, yeah. They were waiting for Everton. I think the old, there was suggestion from the the King Power that they thought Bournemouth had scored and fans were celebrating. All oh, right. Yeah, I um, think that was a. I think that was caught, caught on camera. To be honest, I know there was a moment, wasn't he, where I think the West Ham fans started celebrating when the Corey scored because obviously they were there. Yeah. Um, so obviously that all went on. But I just remember to be fair. One of the things as well, I remember in, in, in the press box, there was a, a guy sat in front of me. I don't know who we work for or, or you know, and uh, and he had Sky go on. And I just remember looking as occasionally the hope to see how it was going. So obviously you're watching Everton. Um, I just remember like. Leicester breaking and thinking, oh, that looks dangerous. And next thing, Leicester scored just before half time. Mm. I remember like going in half time thinking, because we need to find something big here. We need to dig deep because I didn't think Leicester, once Leicester went ahead, you're thinking, they're probably not going to slip up here. So I would have got to get a, get a win, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it was very, very interesting afternoon. Uh, but one that I think we should all just be severely grateful ended in an Everton result. And, you know, we're still watching the best players in the world on a weekly basis and not fighting for our lives to get back in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll briefly touch on this because we've kind of touched on the worst match, but worst moments, I'll, I'll go first on this one. So you you touched upon it against the Newcastle. When we got beat against Newcastle 4-1, you thought, that's it now, we're done yeah, going, yeah. In the, the, uh, going to the Championship. I think we all felt that after Newcastle, but I felt my worst moment was losing to Fulham 3-1 at Goodison Park, 15th of April, um, because then we'd... You know, obviously, this is within hindsight, I didn't know at the time, but we didn't actually win again until Brighton after that. So that was like a good month. I think it was the 8th of May, just under a month. But at, at the time, I felt our record against Fulham, regardless of whether we're a poor team or not, was outstanding. We don't think we'd, we'd lost against Fulham. Mm. Um, so I thought, if we can't beat Fulham, I know they've got a good manager and a good team, but that was, you know, th- that wasn't a be all and end all. I just thought, we are going down here if we can't be Fulham and we deserve to go down. Still a long way to go, but I just felt, you know, when that when that final whistle went against Fulham, certainly because they scored first, didn't they? And then we got back into it. And then I thought, come Maybe on. More payments, three glorious chances, two before half time, one just after half time. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that uh, as well. So And I think that was the day where everyone lost patience with him, wasn't it? And it was yeah. just a bit like this is gonna end in one way and it's you know, it's relegation if we can't score. And also like that was one of the games to be fair where I felt genuinely sorry for Sean Dyche afterwards because he was just kind of sat there like, you know, we had four guilt-edge chances and didn't take any of them. And what more could I do type yeah. thing, you know what I mean? And what more can you do, you know what I mean? What more can you do? Uh, but yeah, I thought I, I, I thought we were a little bit dead and buried at that point, but still nuked the worst moment for me, still Newcastle, because that was one where I thought, get a win tonight, take us into May. Yeah. Got to pick up maybe five points in May, be enough. And I think the way we which we fell apart, it's just like there's no fighting spirit here and all hope's kind of lost and the fans can't do no more. Yeah. Um and I don't I, I, that was like it was always always even the fans can't pull them over the line this time round. And you know, unfortunately we did get over the line, but it didn't look that way when we were all leaving Goodson Park and, you know, coming in here the next morning talking about it. We'll leave bet worst moments in the past then. Um best goal then? Is is Decore gonna make it a hat trick for you of Best, or has it got someone else in, in mind for the best goal of 2023? I still, there's sort of a better goal against Newcastle, that was just magic. The move, okay. the fact he scored it, he went running around like a lunatic after he scored it, which I thought was great because. And VAR nearly ruined And VAR nearly ruined it, but it went Evans' way for the first time, I felt like forever, you know what I mean? Um, they, they, they checked it for a long time. They did, yeah. They tried the best. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, but we you know, somehow got over the line with that one. Um, so I think Decore is obviously up there because obviously, like I say, the goal was way priceless for being honest, you know, from what I would have done. But yeah. Beto's because it just it's a great smile, wasn't it? And you know, Just made up, genuinely happy. Yeah. It put the ice on the kick, didn't it? VAR going our way. Yeah. Great team move. Yeah. You know, this um, team move that probably dispels a few, you know, myths that Sean Dice just lumps it forward to a big man. Yeah. It's a great, great bit of play. But yeah, I... I, I Obviously, the core goal will always be one that everyone will look back on in years yeah. to come. But yeah, certainly, Beto's was just nice moments. Uh, sometimes you like nice moments, don't you? Well, you know, we've, we've had a couple of good goals, to be fair, this season. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit different. And it, it wasn't necessarily a goal that 
what we needed to win or anything like that. But it did come in the 90-odd minutes, and it was against Tottenham. 3rd of April, which resulted in a 1-1 draw, it was Michael Keane. Michael Keane? His prowess as a centre-forward, the goal-scoring centre-forward, uh, the technique, if you remember. I was sat right at the, in the lower Gladys, and I just watched it as it... Uh, I knew as soon as it left his foot, it was going in the back of the net. My my angle from it, I could just see it was going yeah. in the back of the net. And obviously it was last minute equaliser. Um, so obviously the crowd went went crazy. Um, but I want to give Michael Keane a little bit of credit there. I thought that was for me. I'd like as a goal comes, that was that for me that was Evans best goal of the season. Or sorry, best goal of twenty twenty three. So a couple of other stickouts. Coleman's maybe against Leeds. Where he's got it under the the wing. Yes. Remember that one? Yeah. Whether he meant it or not, I don't know. I think well, he, he said he did. Didn't he, he? Did, he, yeah, he just yeah. boxed him up. He said he did. Um what other ones? Jack Harris against Bournemouth. Yeah, that was on my list to be honest as well. That was um, a very good goal. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's been a couple of couple of good ones. Obviously the core he's against yeah, Bournemouth, yeah. you know, that's that's probably, you know, you're gonna say it's gonna be in your top three just because of, of what it meant. Um but yeah, there's definitely been um a couple of definitely been a couple of good goals this season. Okay, moving on then. Moving uh, on to best opposition player that you that you uh, you watched either at Goodison Park or away, really. Away. I wasn't well, really, have to be away. I wasn't you? really impressed when I when I done away games. To be fair, um, two stand out. I thought Gundogan's performance in the 3 0 when we got lost to City towards just stole, the it was a stole man to the back was just magical. Yeah. Like it was absolutely like it was it was worth going just to watch him alone that afternoon. I think he scored a free kick, didn't he as well? Yeah. Set set one up. Don't know when he took on his knee, didn't he? Flicked yeah. it over, flicked it over. Yeah. That was just like magical, like and that was like clearly a player who's got unbelievable ability, like the peak of his powers. Yeah. Um and I'm never not impressed when I see Declan Rice play. Okay. I just think he's got that engine, that powerhouse. I thought him and Odegaard were really good when they played um, come in September, not, not the, obviously the first time in February, but when they come in September, or they were good. But yeah, I just thought that, that Gundogan performance was just yeah, yeah. magical, wasn't it? It was like, I think I remember saying, actually it's one of the, one of the, the, the national ads in the, the media announcers, and I was like, God, that was like, like spellbound and that, wasn't it? Like he was just, after, like he made the pitch just look so big. He was just so comfortable on the ball. Yeah. You know, it was just it was just magical, and I think I, I still think there was a bit of a truce that day. And once they went three 0 up, we went five at the back to not concede anymore because I think we were feeling that goal difference was gonna was gonna take a hammer. Yeah, and I think we just maybe perhaps agreed that if we don't kick Gundogan around the pitch, City won't score again because <laughs> he was he was just superb, wasn't it? And I think that was like bit, I've seen a lot actually before about Gundogan in the runs that game. Everyone's saying like he's playing off these. No, it's also about Harland and the Brian and Stones, but. Gundogan's just like off the scale at the minute, how well he's doing, etc. Yeah. And then when you watch him that afternoon, you just thought, like, wow, like, what a player. And obviously, I think Man City is certainly for the worst for him because yeah. it was just sensational, wasn't it? And there's not often, I don't think, people come to Goodison and dominate a game like that or have that effect on people. I think, you know, you look back in recent in, in recent years, it's been going probably the Invincibles when they come in the, 2000, the opening day of the 2004 half season. Yeah. And they were 4 0 and they just passed us off the four one sorry they just passed us off the off the park and looked, you know, streets ahead of us. But there's not been a lot of teams who I think have come to Goodison and kinda stamped their authority on the game. But that day he just was on another level to anyone else. And I think it's quite testament that he was on another level to one of his city teammates when you think of how high their benchmark is. So yeah, Gundogan for me, I think he was it was just magical that. Well we've got a snap there. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I felt that um that game, the, the build-up and the narrative to that game was obviously, it wasn't just centred around Everton and the relegation because there was obviously a title race and I think a lot of people well, thought... The treble, wasn't it? At that point, City were volunteering well for the treble, yes, weren't they? but I think a lot of people thought this was the one where City would, would step yeah. up. Um, and, you know, they just completely ignored what people, the pundits thought and what was going to happen. Everton just couldn't even get close to them. I think the obviously expectation from the fans were there as well. The Everton fans thought that we were going to at least get a point. We were going to try and do something here. Um, City would slip up, but, you know, they, they played us off the park and Gundogan was the, the the main, you know, person for that and ended up scoring the, the two goals. So, yeah, that, that was also my best opposition player. Obviously, it was a 3 another defeat on a Sunday afternoon. I remember it well, unfortunately. So, 
before we move on. I think anyone who was there should remember that performance that day because when you look back in years to come, same when we leave Goodison, I think if someone says to me, what was the best performance you've seen from opposition to Goodison, yeah. a player with Goodison, guns, guns against Everton back in May will be right up there. Yeah, absolutely. Toffee Sai has also said, surprise player for the 2023, probably, you know, obviously looking towards the, the, the start of the season and, you know, into the into the New Year's it being Branthwaite. Yeah, I mean... Surprised, or is it surprised that he's, he's done I, what he's I obviously, done? you know, took the mantle from the esteemed David Prentice who used to be this parish, obviously, yeah. you know, doing other things, of selecting an Everpool 11 for the 2023 calendar year just before New Year's Day uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Branthwaite didn't get included because... He only started playing at the end of August. Yeah, I, I agree with this. I, I, I agree and, with this. And Sarkowski obviously got the nod over him with, alongside Van Dijk. But like I said in that, in that, there's a very if he stays with Everton moving forward, he will be very strong arguments. He'll be the first name on the team sheet in the in years to come. Uh, so yeah, I think surprise. I think the big thing around it is, I think a lot of people knew he had potential and he had the chance to do something, become a really good player. It's how effortless he's made that transition from kind of like squad fringe. Just being a regular start, and you know, the way he's going, and I was obviously allowed to talk about transfers and Real Madrid being in for him. The way he's going, you wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on that playing almost the Euros with England in the summer because I, I think his performances have been so good that Gareth Southgate's not going to be in a position to ignore him. Um, and I think saying if he keeps way keep going the way he is now, he's going to give Gareth Southgate a serious decision to make, uh, and that's I think the highest compliment you can pay someone, isn't it, at that level? Um, so yeah, I think. I think ultimately, it is a surprise how well he's done, and I think this still the thing with Brantley, isn't it? Like what we see now, we just come to expect him. It's the norm, but really, you should be looking. I think about that is like, you know, making Premier League defender look effortless. You know, you think of all the defensive issues Everton has in recent seasons. It's not easy. No, absolutely. Um, okay, then um, I'm going to go first on this one because I feel go like on. you're going to say the same. So, best goal scored by an opposition player. I'm going to say Garnacho's goal against, uh, obviously, us for Man United. Yeah, and I would also say it was Odegaard against Arsenal, for, for Arsenal, in the 1-0 in September. <sighs> I can't remember it. When he kind of slid in and slide-fussed into the top corner at the bottom. Oh, uh, I do remember it, yeah. Um, I thought that was a good goal. Garnacho's was just like one of them ones where you think, where's that come from, wasn't it? Like, you know, that was... No one foreseen that, no. that coming. Um, killed, killed the game dead. <laughs> yeah. I also think... To be fair, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in a loving with him by any stretch. But Gundogan's first because somebody took it on his, was it his chest knee and then flicked over his head. I thought that yeah. was pretty special. Um, I, I understand Garnacho, but I probably go Gundogan just because it, it was the, the all around what you saw that day. But Garnacho's one of them goals isn't that in twenty years time when we're old and wrinkly watching Premier League years for for this season, will that goal will be shown over and over and over again? Probably because it yeah. was just so. Out the blue, so special, and you know, because of that four Jordan Pickford in that corner, wouldn't save it. I just think it's going to win goal of the season. It's already won yeah. for me. I think it'll take some beating. Just out of interest and totally off topic from Everton, what was the better goal, Garnacho or Bamford's? I think for Leeds, Garnacho. Yeah, because they hung in the air. Yeah, a lot of people saying Bamford's goal was better, but I disagreed with that. I thought no, Bam- I think- Bamford's goal absolutely fantastic. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Goal? not like saying anything bad about it. I think Garnacho was just. For the type of goal that it is, it's just Garnacho's goal. Yeah, I, I just think Garnacho, I think the way he hung in the air, the way he took the, the surprise of it. Um, and that's just one of them goals as well. Like, we're all Drew's best lad. I think if he tries it 10 times again, it'll never come off. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I think he did try it, didn't he? Uh, against in the Europa League. One oh, of the did Europa he? Yeah. Games, I'm sure he did. <laughs> I mean, it's very typical, away. isn't it, that he's done it once at Goodison and it absolutely threw in the top corner of the net. But, you know, yeah, I just think Garnacho because I think it's a goal that we'll see for years to come. But my personal favourite was was Gundogan because I think it just capped off a, a, a like a, a stellar performance there. Okay, um, we're we'll kind of start bringing it to a close, but I do want to kind of discuss some of the landmark moments of the year. But before we get onto that, um, just rate Everton's twenty twenty three out of ten. I'm not expecting any high scores whatsoever. Six, six. I mean, I, I, they stayed up. Okay. And they've shown signs of improvement. Late rally. Yeah, I think and I think you can see what Sean Dyche is trying to do. I think Sean Dyche's problem is that what we all feel a little bit is that he hasn't got a massive squad. And if injuries and suspensions start taking the toll, which they have done in recent mm-hmm. weeks, they're going to be fatigued and they're going to look a little bit run ragged. And that's like what I'm the wolves on 
the day before New Year's Eve, they look ramraggers and look yeah. like it, it generally looked like a lot of them played the five games in December up to that point. But I think it was quite refreshing that we've played. We look back at more, I would say it was the levels we were against Newcastle or Forest against Palace, but we certainly looked a little bit more kind of fresh and a little bit more unfatigued. Um, so I think a six, I think the biggest, they achieved, the, Sean Nice achieved the ultimate aim when he came in, was to keep coming in the Premier League. I still don't think Everton should have been fighting on the final day. I still think they had enough squad talent in that squad to have been clear of danger a lot earlier. And I think if he perhaps hadn't been so stubborn on certain issues, yeah. things might have been different. Um, certainly not giving Jeremy Meadner a game a little bit earlier was, was one that sticks to mind. Yeah. But they did find a way to stay up, which is the most important thing. And then I think obviously you know, we had a, a rough start to the season. It was six games went, six Premier League games went without a win. Five Premier League games without a win. And obviously, you know, a dismal night in Doncaster was saved by Beto and Dan Juma. Um, I mean, I remember I was at that, that game with, with Joe Thomas and about 55 minutes in, the two of us were looking at each other going, oh my God, we're, we're back on like disaster, you know, Everton in crisis mode because you're thinking if they get dumped out here, this has been dreadful. Um, but they found a way to win and I think that was the big thing, they found a way to win that night. They obviously then backed up with a point to Sheffield United, which they probably should have got to all three that day. But then obviously, you know, beating Brentford away, beating Villa away, you know, and then the home form and just the way they've managed to try small changes. And like I say, you can see what Sean Dyche was trying to do. You know, he wants a team, and, and it's not, look, it's not, it's not going to be a coaching manual, I don't think, what he's trying to do. It's not, you know, it's not going to be held as like me, ourselves, also Pep Guardiola, but high performance. A bit of, you know, a bit of organisation, a bit of sweat on the shirt can go a long way. And I don't think we've seen that much in recent years from Everton. So, I say six. I think you know, like I say, they, they achieved their ultimate goal of last season, which was to stay up, and they've shown promise this season that you know, obviously, if it wasn't for the ten points, they wouldn't be nervous looking over their shoulder. No, absolutely. I'm going to go with a one below you did. I'm going to go with a five, just because I think I don't think there's very, <clears throat> if no no positives to take from, you know, the early months of the season. I think it was just absolute catastrophe. Obviously, Lampard was sacked, Dice came in, um, and then we survived relegation by the skin of our teeth. Obviously, we've had a just said it there, but kind of a, we've had a rally towards the, the the latter stages of the season. Um, you know, certainly a poor start has resulted in a couple of really good wins um, to the point where we've obviously gone on to yeah. win a couple of games in a row. I think it's stupid to say it's stupid saying this because we've done it, but if we didn't have maybe those four wins in a row, um, then I think depending on how it, it could have gone, you, you'd be looking at like, well, even the latter stages of the season have been a little bit poor, but we know those four wins since the point deduction have been absolutely massive. Talk us out the relegation zone, but like you've already mentioned it there, like you said, we've had wins littered in and around that as well. You know, West Ham, Brentford, the cup against uh, cup game against Villa, Burnley at home. Um, the, two, the, the, the two black parts in recent weeks are the Carabao Cup exit. Yeah, it's been disappointing. Which was, hasn't it? was you know kind of probably set us on this road of what they've been on recently, and Wolves. But apart from that, I mean, you know, yeah. Tottenham, we should have won. <laughs> they haven't got a point. <laughs> you know, let's face it, we had a perfectly good goal disallowed. You know, I'm still not convinced that was a foul. In any, you know, no. certainly not a foul to be brought back the way it was. Obviously, you know, Dan Juma misses, hits the bar, it bounces down, could bounce in, bounces out. Millimeter. Misses another chance, you know, paid the price for it, probably a slow 10 minutes and they, they scored twice. And then, you know, we played City where I think, you know, for being honest, we give City a game, certainly in the first half. Second half, we show shades of why they win 15, 16 matches on the spin and go win all the big trophies in May. You know, like in, you got talents of Phil Foden and Jack Grealish and, you know, Rodri. You know, you know they just show their, their class in the end of the tolls. But again, you know, Calvert Lewin puts it in to make a 2 2 with 10 minutes to go. It could have been a different, you know, different, a different, you know, outcome, couldn't it? You know, but instead, he misses Evan Aguilty giving away his, and even that night, you know, the handball. I think he's open for the base as well. Yeah. Because um, I'm not really sure what he's at, what they want him to do. So I think there's obviously been shades of disappointment, but I think there's enough to suggest that there's brighter things on the horizon. It's going to be a little bit better moving forward. And we will move forward, but just, just finally then to finish off, Connor, you know, 2023 hasn't been short of, of controversy. Just to kind of sum up 2023, you know, we've had a second, a managerial second, a managerial appointment. We've survived relegation. Um, you know, we've had interest, which 
you know, it looks like it's going to be interesting. A new takeover, 777 partners, looks like they're going to take over the club. That We know that hasn't happened yet, but obviously that's dominated uh, some of the talk over the past couple of weeks and months. Points deduction, you know, keywords, you know, that has absolutely dominated everything. And then, like I said, we've had that end of year rally. It hasn't been short of incidents ever since 2023. No, it was absolutely wild, wasn't it? <laughs> if I'll be honest, <laughs> it was absolutely wild. There was seemingly something every other week that was going on that was like, that might happen like once every 15, 20 years for the clubs was happening all the time and everything. Um, I think the appointment of Sean Dyche, when he found Lampard had to be sacked in the end, didn't he, by the time they got to West Ham, uh, the defeat to West Ham left the clubs out of it, no point. I think the appointment of Sean Dyche was crucial because he was someone who come in, knew what was required to get the job done. Um, although I still think it would have been quite interesting on the last hobby else would have done if, if They'd have been able to lay him to, to Goodison. Yeah. That might be, would have been his own chapter itself. He yeah. don't know yet. Yeah. Probably um, would have left. Obviously, we've touched, we've touched on the, the surviving relegation. Obviously, the off-the-pitch stuff has been quite dominant, hasn't it? I think the 7-7 seven, seven stuff still wrangles on. Probably hoping for some sort of outcome, I think, in the next certainly week or two. Yeah. Um, with that, it's a bit of classic cases, isn't it? A lot remains to be seen in terms of what's going to happen. Um, obviously, then, on top of that, You've got the ten point deduction, which literally I think came from nowhere and then yeah. left everyone up. I mean, I was actually out. It was off that day and I was out. And the first I heard was my phone buzzed and it was the the WhatsApp notification from the the, the desk, you know, sending the, the story out and it's like you know Everton handed ten point punishment, but like I was like, what? And then like <laughs> obviously read it, but on Twitter and obviously like I was I made mind like I was just stood on like, like I'd be in the shop and was walking back in the street like just stood there like. Oh my word! Like, what on earth is all yeah. you know? So it's all this, um, and obviously that's this that's all still to come. By the way, like you know, twenty twenty, yeah. you know, we say twenty twenty three has been wild. Yeah, twenty twenty four, I hope is not as wild, but there's still a lot to be, you know, a lot to come. Obviously, the you got the appeal hearing, yeah, seven 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 takeover being completed or not being completed, you know, managerial finances tra- being submitted as tra- well, transfers, you, the accounts for last season. There's a lot. But I do think as well it was one of the great aspects of 2023, and that was how quick that new stadium shot up on the, the waterfront. Yeah. And I think there's been obviously been a lot made of that over the years in terms of it. it'll never happen. You know, you'll never see, you know, it's all talk. But now a new drive past, which, you know, I do quite a bit because obviously I go that way from home, to home sometimes from the office. You can't help but think, wow. And I think when you think this time, Last month, in a year's time, Everton, oh sorry, in December this month, sorry, December of this year, Everton possibly could have the keys for that. Um, and we prepared to play there, to, to, to play there and move from Goodison Park. So that is very exciting because it'd be sad to leave Goodison, but I just think what an arena it's going to be. And I think it's a long over, long overdue move that the club needs to make to get into the with the present day. Well, I don't think there's any better way to finish the podcast than thoughts about the new stadium and the positives. You know, you think that's been people going, on, hasn't it? Really? Let's face it, for yeah. a club at one point that was struggling to get good news out there, that has been the one good news. And, you know, you think of, was it the one man with the cone at that time who, who was down there? Um, it's come a long way since then, hasn't it? As we sit here now. It certainly has. So we're obviously going to look forward to 2024. Our next podcast will be... Thursday this week, I think it's booked in for Thursday, obviously ahead of Aston Villa um, at Goodison Park. So we're going to be live on Thursday. I'm not too sure who's going to be in the pod. I think you, you're down for it, aren't you? I think I am, yeah. I think myself, Chris and Joel, is it? I think. Yeah. So yeah, it'll the, be a uh, full squad. Yeah, going to be live on YouTube and Facebook for that one. So, Connor, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, I've been Ian Kroll, and this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.